Let us pray. Holy God, we know that you are always speaking through strangers and friends, through sunrise and sunset, through random acts of kindness and feelings that stir hope in us. We know that you speak through dreams and prayer, through a still small voice and bursts of overwhelming joy. We know that you are always speaking, but we also know that we are inclined to miss it. Settle our spirits now so that we may hear your word fully. We want to be part of the conversation. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. Our scripture text this morning is the first chapter of the book of Ruth. Listen now for God's word to us. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion had also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband." Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried." May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. 
When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're in our final week of our series, I've Been Meaning to Ask, and our question today is, where do we go from here? (laughs) And that really is the question, huh? Where do we go from here? There are so many ways we are asking this question of ourselves and of the world around us all the time. We're asking, where do we go from here now that we no longer are required to stay inside and sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix? Where do we go from here now that the church is fully open? Where do we go from here now that we are in between senior pastors? Where do we go now that we know we can adjust to technology in worship? And ministry? Where do we go from here in the fight against injustice and inequity across race, gender, sexuality, and ability? We want to know the answer to this question so that we can start planning, start putting together a good strategic plan, and get started on it. But so often we get lost in the many variables, so many options or the magnitude of the issues and problems, that we don't even know where to start. We get frozen and we lack the energy to even get moving. So I think that the story of Ruth and Naomi, even in just this first chapter, offers us some answers about where to go from here. We're told at the beginning that there was a great famine in the land And so Elimelech and Naomi and their sons decide to move to Moab. And while there is definitely still famine in the world, most of us, I'm willing to guess, have never experienced a physical famine. But we've probably felt some sort of season of famine or scarcity or just feeling empty. Maybe it's in a relationship or our families. Maybe it's in our job or our health. Maybe we have been sitting in a long season of drought in our relationship with God. And when we find ourselves in these moments of drought and famine, we realize we need to make a move. Sometimes it doesn't matter where that move is, we just need to get out of where we are right now. The thing about moves, though, is that 
while they're good, a change in job or a change in how we relate to people, maybe we go see the doctor to get treatment. But the trouble with making moves, even good ones, is that we shouldn't expect them to save us. Because only a savior can bring salvation. And again, we see this in the story of Naomi and her family because as soon as they get to Moab, the trouble is not over. Elimelech dies and after her sons take Moabite wives, they too die within 10 years. And suddenly plan B for Naomi isn't working anymore. So she decides to turn back to Judah and return to her home, hearing that the Lord had finally provided food for his people. And initially, her daughters-in-law follow her, but she turns to them and says, no, don't follow me. I am a hopeless case. There's no way that you can be provided for. You should just go back to your families and find new husbands. And this is both practical, but also it could be that Naomi doesn't necessarily want to return to Judah with Moabite daughter-in-laws, daughters-in-law, because Moab was always a place of tension with Judah. But regardless of her reasoning, she attempts to persuade them to leave her be. And eventually Orpah agrees, but Ruth clings to Naomi. And she gives us this beautiful speech about where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Her commitment is not just to another person, but also across a great divide of culture and ethnicity. And this requires intentional effort on Ruth's part. She's not coerced, though. Naomi does try again to tell her to go back. But Ruth is determined. She is committed to this relationship. So committed to her mother-in-law, Naomi, that she is willing to give up and abandon everything that she has ever known, including her old faith. And this is significant, I think, because Christian relationships will always mean that we have to abandon some former notion of ourselves or others or the world around us. We have to abandon our assumptions about those who look or think different than us. We have to abandon our notions of ownership in favor of stewardship. We have to abandon our view of selves or others based on job, gender, class, race, you name it. We have to stop holding on to grudges in favor of extending grace. We have to abandon our preconceived notions of worship and church. And we have to abandon our urge to fix others and the perceived problems in front of us 
without asking what they really need. This, after all, is what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. Abandoning what we know for the unknown is risky. I've said in a couple of wedding homilies that it's impossible for the two of them to understand what they're committing to. Because a lifelong commitment to anything is impossible to understand at its start. Yet, Ruth does abandon everything she's ever known and follows Ruth. And it is her loyalty to this relationship, this unknown community, that is an example for the rest of us. She is committed to this relationship, but that doesn't automatically mean there's a reciprocal loyalty or acceptance. If you notice, Naomi doesn't really respond after Ruth's long speech of committing to going with her. It just says she said no more, and they went on. And Ruth's not actually mentioned again until the end of the chapter. This response leads us to maybe infer there's displeasure or, at best, ambivalence. And Naomi, when they finally arrive in Bethlehem, says, no, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she blames it all on God. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has dealt harshly with me. The Lord, the Almighty, has brought calamity upon me. We know from the first week of our series that we are all created in the image of God. But Craig Barnes would say that if we do not have a faithful image of God, we no longer have a faithful image of ourselves either. People who are judgmental will see God as a judging God. People who refuse to see injustice in the world will think that God doesn't really care about those things. And when Naomi is filled with bitterness, she can't help but think that God is also bitter. Thankfully, God's grace is not dependent on our emotions toward God. A really wonderful observation from the rest of the book of Ruth is that while the women don't challenge her speech in this moment, they never actually call her Mara. No one, the narrator included, ever refers to her as Mara throughout the rest of the book. It's as if the community is rejecting her image of herself 
in favor of holding the holy image that God has given. Long before it is your faith or my faith, this is always our faith. And when we can no longer hold on to that faith ourselves, it is the community of faith that holds us up. And in the midst, God is already at work behind the scenes. Like I said, God can handle our emotions, good, bad, ugly, angry, disappointed, bitter. And it's not going to stop God from moving. We know this by looking ahead at the, book, the rest of the book of Ruth. At the beginning, a couple of issues around famine and barrenness are named, and these are the only two interjections that God has in this book. God feeds his people again in Judah, and eventually God gives a son to Ruth and Naomi. God is working throughout this book in unexpected ways through very unexpected people. And Jesus similarly shows us that example of reaching out and committing to relationship even across difference. He heals the sick, he feeds the hungry, he releases the captives. He touches the people who are unclean and impure. And in his death and resurrection, Jesus becomes the first fruit of the kingdom of God, which is already present among us. The kingdom is also still yet to come. So where do we go from here? And what do you need to abandon in order to commit to Jesus. I think that the book of Ruth teaches us that where we go from here, while we may not have the exact answers, we can always start with relationships. When we are working toward forming good Christian relationships with each other, we are helping to form more of the redemptive community of the church and what it was made to be. So maybe that looks like wearing a name tag and introducing yourself to a new stranger every Sunday. Maybe it means getting curious and asking some of these deep questions we've been pondering this month. Maybe going from here to pursue relationships means inviting a friend to worship. Or maybe it's inviting someone to a small group you go to. Maybe pursuing relationships is joining a small group, which we have many. Pursuing relationships could just mean praying for someone from our prayer list online or in the bulletin. Maybe sending a card or giving them a call. The other important thing about where we go from here in looking at Jesus and how he pursued relationship 
is that he's still at work doing that. We often like the cliche, what would Jesus do in this given scenario? But some of my seminary professors were big on saying, no, we should rephrase that question to what is Jesus doing? Just like God was at work behind the scenes in Ruth, even as Naomi was bitter and Ruth had no idea what she was committing herself to, Jesus is at work and is on the move in our church, in our community, in your personal lives. It's our job then to look and to listen, to witness to what Jesus is already at work doing, and then get in on it. Join one of our many committees based on some of your passions. Maybe getting in on the work that Jesus is doing means joining the ministry and mission work of this church through financial giving. Maybe it means giving of your time and talents by helping to lead in worship through music or liturgy or our tech team. Maybe getting in on what Jesus is doing means getting involved with our children or youth by volunteering to facilitate a Sunday school class or chaperone a youth event. Looking for what Jesus is doing also always means praying for the needs of our church, our community, and our world. So where do we go from here? I think the book of Ruth reminds us that God's work is often hidden and mysterious. It's like yeast in a loaf of bread. God's work is hidden until all is transformed. But God is always at work in the everyday lives of ordinary, faithful people, seeking to manifest this divine loyalty in our divine, loyal interactions with those around us. So where do we go from here? I don't know. But I think relationship and looking for what Jesus is doing is a good place to start. May it be so. Amen.